Thank you very much, everyone, for coming. We'll continue this evening with our discussion of Srila Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. We're on the 105th Anucheda, a subsection, seventh subsection. The synthesis of the Vedas is in Bhagavan. This Anucheda is based on the fourth sutra of the Vedanta Sutra, the fourth sutra being Tattu Samanvayat. Sri Jiva Goswami writes in his Sandarbha, now the meaning of the next sutra, Vedanta Sutra 114, is given. How is it that scripture is the only valid means to know Brahman? In response, Sri Vyas utters the next sutra, quote, but the truth that Brahman is noble only through the Vedas is due to the fact that the Vedas are consistently reconciled in him alone. Tattu Samanvayat. The word too, but, in this sutra, is to dispel the doubt accrued from the previous sutra. The pronoun tat, that, refers to the fact expressed in the previous sutra that scripture is the only possible valid means to know Brahman. How is that? Because of consistent reconciliation. Samanvayat. So this opening paragraph of the Anucheda is pointing out that there's a reason that the third sutra is, signif- is is validated. So the third sutra of the Vedanta Sutra was Sastra Yonit Vat. The Supreme Lord should be understood through the sacred scriptures. Okay, that's good. So the Supreme Lord, Supreme Brahman, whatever nomenclature we want to utilize, should be known through scripture. Well, how do we know that Brahman is known through the scripture? Would be the question. So we're supposed to know Brahman through scripture. Well, how do we know that's how we're to know Brahman? Well, because that's what the scripture speaks about. So this third and fourth Anucheda go together. We're to know the Supreme through scripture, and we know that he's the subject of scripture because of the fact that he's, knowledge of him permeates the text. So the two sutras go hand in hand here. So we have Sastra Yonit Vat, we're to know that the Supreme Lord should be understood through the sacred scriptures. And then the next sutra, Tattu Samanvayat, the Supreme Lord is perceived as a form of eternity and knowledge. This is concluded from the scriptures. Now, of course, Jiva Goswami gives a translation that's a little bit more elaborate, elaborate for the fourth sutra. He says, But the truth that Brahman is noble only through the Vedas is due to the fact that the Vedas are consistently reconciled in him alone. So we find repeatedly throughout the Vedas knowledge of Brahman. So that's why Shastra 
is reliable for this knowledge? How is it reliable through Shastra? In what manner? And now Jiva goes on to explain the manner that the Shastra presents the Supreme that makes it reliable. To establish a conclusion by affirmation, unvaya, or positive concomitants, and by disaffirmation, vyati reka, or negative concomitants, is called consistent reconciliation, or synthesis, samanvaya. The affirmative statements, anvaya, of the Shruti are as follows. So, this fourth verse of the Vedanta Sutra is making it clear that throughout the Shastra, Brahman, or the Supreme, is spoken of. And it's spoken of through positive statements, just straight out, which we're going to read a few of them, and by negative statements. And those two statements, both the positive and the negative, negative are they're in, they're in harmony. They both are saying the same thing. Therefore, we have samanvaya. They're both pointing in the same direction. And then Jiva Goswami gives a whole list of statements here that'll make his point. He's going to bring his point home. Okay, and here's a few statements from the scriptures that make it apparent that that's what the scriptures are talking about. And that's why, in order to have this knowledge, we can rely on the scriptures. So he quotes. Most of these are from the Upanishads, and uh, I won't be sourcing them. I'll just be reading through them. All of these are from... Uh, the Upanishads. Basically, Upanishads are, are sutras and their Upanishadic statements are uh, shruti, uh, shruti. Statements are as follows. Brahman is truth, consciousness, and unlimited. Brahman is bliss. Brahman is one alone without a second. He is truth. He is the self. O oh, dear one, in the beginning there was only this unique existent, Sat. Verily in the beginning there was Brahman alone. In the beginning indeed there was the self alone as a person, Purusha. All these again are, are Upanishadic statements. Uh, Narayan indeed is the Purusha. There was indeed only Narayan. He glanced with the resolve, let me become many, let me procreate. Therefore, certainly from the self, the sky was born. He created light. From him appeared all these beings. The Purusha, who is verily Narayan, willed. Therefore, from Narayan, Brahma was born. And from him, all created beings came forth as progeny. 
Narayan is the supreme Brahman. He is the absolute truth. He is truth, reality, the supreme Brahman, a person of black, yellowish, yellowish color. The disaffirming statements, Gati Reka, are as follows. And again, these are all Upanishadic statements. So Purusheya, uh, in other words, not of human origin. So when we, when we basically hear statements from the Upanishads, it's like God speaking directly. So what is spoken and then so that we have Shruti, Smriti, Puranadi. So Shruti, what is spoken, Smriti, what is what is heard, uh, Puranas, history, historic, putting things in a historic context <coughs> so that we can understand them. And what is a historic context? Basically, for the most part, we would say a cultural context where we can relate to the knowledge that's being imparted because we also have our own our own cultural environment. So when we hear there was a king and the king ruled the world and the king had sons and the, the king renounced the world and gave up his wife and went to the forest and engaged in meditation, we can say, okay, you know, it's like something we could write. It's different than the Upanishads. Brahman is like all these what we just read. You know, the Upanishads are just like this, just putting it out there. These are these are affirmative statements of spiritual truth and of story. Well, we all like stories, so therefore we like the Puranic setting. It, it's much more uh, congenial to our assimilation of spiritual knowledge because... It's easier to remember for us, like instead of just, I mean, what we're going to remember these kind of statements. From him appeared all these beings. What's that say to us? Well, it's nice. From him appeared all these beings. But it's nice to have the context. You know, God created the heavens and the earth, and, you know, they came from Brahma, and Brahma infused, you know, all the living entities into various bodies based on their prior you know, uh, karmic situation. So we could say God created all the beings. Okay, great. But when we get more of a, uh, a, a context, then we can relate more with it. And it, it has a greater effect in our assimilating that knowledge. Then we can see, well, there was a, there's a creating personality, Brahma, and he was born on a lotus. So now yes, oh wow. So yeah. and then from him we have all the progenitors of mankind, and they were instructed by Manu, Swayambhuva Manu, at the beginning of the of the first uh, Manvantara of this day of Brahma, one day of Brahma. You have a you know Swayambhuva Manu, and and here he is for 71 cycles of the yugas. You put it all in that context and it's something you can really relate to. It's like, you know, something that we can we can assimilate that the whole situation and see how the Lord created and through what agency he created. 
and in what manner he created and who helped him do the creating. It's a lot easier than from Brahman every living entity sprung forth. There's a difference there. It's a lot it's a lot different. It's a lot so But here, in this context, Srila uh, Jiva Goswami is, is, is quoting pr- primarily from the Upanishads. So just these blanket statements that create these blanket gems of spiritual truth, which can we remember the ones I just read through? Just think, the ones I just I just read a whole list of Upanishadic statements. <laughs> Can anyone repeat one back to me? No, but if I ask you to narrate to me how the Lord manifests the material universe and fills it with the living entities, you've sat through enough classes in the Bhagavatam and you've picked up the narrative. Even, a, you know, that you could say, well... First, there's Karna Dakshai Vishnu, and he laid down on the on the causal ocean, and from him all the universes spring forth, and then he enters the universes as Garbha Dakshai, and and the lotus comes from from his navel, and Brahma is born on that lotus, and he's the topmost living entity. You can relate. It's something that's it's it, so it makes a lot of difference. So. That's why, for us, the mature commentary on the Vedanta Sutra, and here we've just been going through like the first four sutras of the Vedanta Sutra, they're pretty, you know, uh, uh, what is it, the the Chatur Shruti, no, Shloki, Chatur Shloki. Vedanta Sutra, Sutra, Sutri, I'm sorry, Chatur Sutri, the first of the Vedanta Sutra. So it's Chatur Sutri, yes. So they're very, they're very concise, very much to the point. So we can see the difference, and we have, and then as a, as an offset, we have the first verse of the Bhagavatam. How much more is is you know it, just to unpack it a little bit? They both contain the same knowledge, but the the first verse of the Bhagavatam is something more relatable. Relatable. So therefore, when as Gaudias we say that the mature commentary, the spotless commentary on the Vedanta Sutra is the Srimad Bhagavatam. It, it, what more do you need? It's all there. And you will, you'll find that it's what, what's there in the Vedanta Sutras is there in the Bhagavatam and unpacked much more fully and is much more approachable for us. Generally, for the Brahma Sutra, Vedanta Sutra, to be approachable, 
you need to have an elaborate commentary on it in order to enter into its mysteries. And that elaborate commentary by the various acharyas is such that they pull out specific presentation of the sutras according to their understanding and their time, place, and circumstance. And that, from the major commentators, creates a sampradaya. So we see that every sampradaya has their commentary, every Vaishnava sampradaya has a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra that constitutes their Siddhanta, their basic understanding of those spiritual truths. From one Vaishnava Sampradaya to another, there we'll find some differences coming in those commentaries. But these are all Vaishnava Sampradayas. They're all glorious. And we have our commentary. We have the Bhagavatam and we're like completely satisfied with it. And we also complied with their religious sentiment and provided a commentary on the Brahma Sutra, the Vedanta Sutra, by one of our devotees, Baladev Vijabhushan. So we complied with that technical technicality because not all of the other Vaishnava Sampradayas would be content with saying that the Bhagavatam is a comprehensive commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. So now let's go on to some negative ones. The disaffirming statements, Vyati Reka, are as follows. How can being Sat arise from not being a Sat? If this bliss, the all blissful Paramatma, were not present in the sky of the heart, who indeed would infuse life into anything? Verily, there was Narayan alone. There was no Brahma and no Shiva. And that's that's all he gives for negative presentations. Jiva Goswami continues, the consistent reconciliation, samanvaya, between positive and negative presented in the scripture, of all other statements is found only in Bhagavad, as will be stated in the Brahma Sutra. And then he quotes another verse from the Brahma Sutra itself. Brahma is full of bliss because such is repeated throughout the Shrutis. Because Bhagavad is thus exclusively of the nature of supreme bliss, it is he who is thus consistently reconciled by all the Vedas. Because it is only by attaining him that one achieves the supreme goal of life and thus Brahma Jignasa is not purposeless. And the other verse that uh, was quoted you're familiar with. You've heard it many times. Anandamayobhyasat. That's one one twelve, Because he is repeatedly described in the scripture as that supreme blissful personality. Anandamayobhyasat. Shijiva writes, Brahman is full of bliss because such is repeated throughout the Shrutis. 
Anandamayo Bhyasat. Jiva Goswami continues. Now, what he's going to do, he's given it to us from the from the Vedanta Sutra viewpoint, from the Brahma Sutras, Vedanta Sutra viewpoint. He's quoted the verses. Now, well, where are we going to find that in the first verse of the Bhagavatam? So now he gives us that. So his Anucheta continues. So, such being the meaning of these two sutras, basic meaning is everything's in Scripture. If you want to know about Brahman, the senses are not going to do it for you. They're limited, and we could get into a whole discussion, but all you have to do, if you want to know, just you accept, we accept, we accept the Vedanta Sutra, the Vedanta Sutra's third sutra is you can only know from Scripture, and you can you can know that Scripture is only about that, as provided in the fourth sutra, that all the statements in the Scriptures point to that knowledge. So therefore, you're going to the right place if you go to Scripture. So where is this stated in the first verse of the Bhagavatam? Jiva continues. So, such being the meaning of these two sutras, the same is now being explained in the verse under discussion, the verse 111 of Srimad Bhagavatam. Anva Anvayad itaratas chartesu. From the meaning artesu of the statements of the Vedas, from the meanings, the meanings of the statements in the Vedas, though they be of different types, whether from the perspective of affirmation, anvayat, or from the perspective of dis affirmation, itarata. So this is all from the second line. The first line is Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Then the second line, Janmajasya Yatol. Yaton Vayad Itarata Stareshu Abhijna Swarat. So, so much there. This, we're just in the first line and in this first line, we see that correlation with the beginning of the Brahma Sutra. And the same words, I mean the same meaning, but presented in different words. The creation whether from the perspective of affirmation, advayat, or from the perspective of disaffirmation, itarata, the creation, sustenance, and dissolution of the cosmos is understood to have issued forth from him alone. Therefore, it is also implied that he is the supreme goal of human life, being established directly and indirectly by the shruti as having the nature of supreme joy. He, Bhagavan, was previously established as such 
on the authority of scriptural statements, such as, in the beginning, there was indeed only Narayan. That's a quote from the Mahanarayan Upanishad. So one thing from the commentary here. The meaning of these two sutras, i.e. the third and fourth, is expressed in the Bhagavat Purana verse under discussion with the phrase Anvayad Itaratas Chartesu. In accordance with Jiva Goswami's explanation above, this phrase would mean the following. And now he gives a full translation here. The absolute truth upon whom we meditate. So he's going back through everything. So we start with the very end of the first verse of the Bhagavatam. The absolute truth. Satyam param dimahi. Satyam param dimahi. The absolute truth upon whom we meditate is concluded to be the foundational source of the creation of the cosmos. Janmadhyasya yataha. The very second line of the first verse of the Bhagavatam. From the import arthesu of all the various types of Vedic statements, be they affirmative, anvayat, or disaffirmative, atarata. And then there's a nice thing here in the commentary which I thought I'd share. The Purva Mimamsakas, Purva Mimamsa, Karmic Purva Mimamsakas, may object that the Vedas are primarily concerned with karma or the execution of prescribed duties to attain heaven. This is refuted in the fourth sutra, Tattu Samanvayat. They can say that, but let's go to the fourth verse, the fourth sutra of the Vedanta Sutra, Samanvayat, and if we look at that concomitance of both the affirmative and the disaffirmative statements throughout the scriptures, what's the conclusion? Are we talking about karma and going to heaven primarily in the scriptures? No. So, whatever the Purva Mimamsakas may say, those that believe scriptures only for personal betterment by upliftment to the heavenly planets and reaping the greatest benefit that one can attain through their karmic actions. And remember, that means sacrifices. If you really want to do it right, why work hard for all those things you want? I mean, that's, you know, that's for the low-class people. High-class people... They put on a they put on a sacrifice. They have a big party. They bring in the Brahmins. They light the fires. They make the offerings. They slaughter the animals and offer them to the gods. And then they can have everything that they want. It's the easy way. Just follow the scripture. Right? Why work hard if you can pull off a sacrifice? And just by, you know, a few horse sacrifices, don't want to perform too many. Hundred seems to, well, 99 seems to be the limit. If you push that limit, other people may think you want their job. 
if you can perform these sacrifices, then you're going then you're going to be as good as the king of heaven. Almost. Because he's not going to let you have that last sacrifice. He will go against religion to keep his position. Remember Indra's Indra's he was he was becoming a Dharmic. And therefore it was like, okay, ninety nine I believe Narada came in and said, It's okay, ninety nine's enough. It's okay. You're gonna get the result you want. You're covered. Don't don't upset Indra because what? He's he's dressing as a sannyasi. He's you know, he's he's doing all these things. He's stealing the sacrificial horse. He's he's acting let's just let him have his what do they say? Every every dog has his day. That's but the point is, all this is in the scripture. Easy way to attain what you want in life. Just follow the scripture, and and there you have it. Perform the sacrifice. Bring in the Brahmins. You have a barren wife. Okay, bring in a Brahmin. Perform a sacrifice. He'll sanctify the sweet rice. The wife will drink the sweet rice, and there you have a child. That could be troublesome sometimes too, as the Bhagavatam points out, because sometimes you do that, and the other wives who didn't get the child, they become a little envious, and then they, well, they become so envious because you're treated so nicely by the husband who finally got that child that they kill your son. All this karma conda, as the Bhagavatam points out, looks nice on the outside, but when we really get down to it, uh, it can be troublesome. It's so troublesome that the king of heaven will come and oppose you or so troublesome that the co-wives will kill the one thing in life you wanted, all that you wanted. You are willing to sacrifice everything to get that child, right? So much so that when the sages came to your door and tried to enlighten you, in transcendental knowledge, you couldn't even hear what they were saying. So they said, okay, I can't give him spiritual enlightenment now. I must give him Harsashoka, something that will be both bring happiness and distress. I'll, I'll give him what he wants, but he'll come out on the other side of it. So sometimes the road to our spiritual enlightenment is not easy because we're stubborn. We want what we want out of material life and we put that above all else either overtly like this one narration from the Bhagavatam or subtly. We're practicing bhakti but these these things keep coming up and we wonder why Everything seems to go against us, but we are forgetting that Krishna is on our side. He's not in opposition to our attainment of pure bhakti. We're in opposition to attainment of pure bhakti because we still want something else. And then it's like, oh, Krishna, you were fighting with me. Everything, you know, our mind, our mind just goes to these places and like, why is everything against me? Why I'm trying so hard? You don't realize Krishna's on the other side. He's trying to make make you see what's right, 
but you still have the blinders on. You think it should be like this. We think it needs to be executed this way, and this will make me a devotee. It's difficult, but it's, it's, an, it's, it's the process. We shouldn't become discouraged. The environment is friendly. The overall environment is friendly, yes. The Purva Mimamsakas, as we went off into the Purva Mimamsaka <laughs> narration there, may object that the Vedas are primarily concerned with karma or the execution of prescribed duties to attain heaven. This is refuted in the fourth sutra because we, we just don't see that. We see some things about karma in the scripture, but primarily what do we find in scripture? We find knowledge of transcendence. We find knowledge of the supreme. If one studies the Vedas with an unbiased attitude, he will come to the conclusion that both directly and indirectly, again, that's what's being said here, the Vedas culminate only in Bhagavan. And this is affirmed by Krishna himself. Sarvasya chaham pridisani visto matashmritir janamapohanam cha vedas I am seated in everyone's heart. For me comes knowledge, memory, remembrance, and forgetfulness. By all the Vedas, I am to be known. Indeed, I am the compiler, the author himself of the Vedas. And now we come to a critical statement here, which kind of culminates what we've been discussing. If a person becomes convinced that the Vedic rituals have the power to fulfill his mundane desires. He develops faith in them and becomes inclined to study them. I got that son. I got that ticket to heaven. I'm becoming wealthy. So I'm performing the sacrifices. I'm getting a result. What else is in these books? What else is there? But after proper deliberation, after we start to read, we deliberate on what's in the scripture, he is able to discriminate between such ephemeral benefits and the ultimate goal of love of God. So that ends the seventh subsection. And we will continue in our next discussion with the eighth. Pradhan is not the creator of the cosmos. And he, this is in the first verse of the Bhagavatam and in the fifth verse or sutra of the Brahma Sutra. Any questions? What constitutes Shastra? What constitutes Shastra? Mm. Uh, Shruti, Smriti, Paranadi. We can go back to the Tattva Siddharva. You have the four Vedas. And then from there you have the Upanishadic portions of those Vedas. Those Upanishadic portions are consolidated in the Vedanta Sutra. Srila Vyasadeva also presented for the benefit of humanity the Mahabharata, which is considered the fifth Veda. And inside the heart of the Mahabharata we have the Bhagavad Gita. And then we have the Vedanta Sutra, which is a compilation of the most important Upanishadic statements that are relative to spiritual knowledge, which is the overriding import 
And then after he presented all that, Vyasadeva wasn't quite content, so we have the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the most spiritual and mature commentary on all scripture, we could say, the Vedanta Sutra. And Vedanta Sutra being the consolidation of the knowledge of the Upanishads, and then we have the mature commentary on that Vedanta Sutra. Mm-hmm. When we say Shastra, we can look to any of the of the sadhu contributions. Guru, sadhu, and Shastra. If you want to take the Shastric core, then those are coming directly from the Supreme Lord himself, Srila Vyasadeva, the literary incarnation of the Lord. He gave us these literatures. Then we have the further explanation and unpacking of those literatures uh, by various acharyas. In our Sampradaya, of course, that task in recent history was given to the Goswamis by the Supreme Lord himself. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructed the Goswamis to compile the essence of all the various scriptures into his canon or his, his presentation of Vaishnavism centered on Prem Bhakti, the topmost attainment, which even exceeds moksha. Artha, Dharma, Kama, and moksha are the, the goals of human existence. And basically, just to end material existence, we have moksha. But Lord Chaitanya said, well, that's... You, he wasn't satisfied when Ramananda Roy brought that forth. As the said, could you go a little further than that? And he finally accepted that Prem Bhakti was what he what he wanted. Thank you so much Thank for your you. association.